Well, hey, good morning. It's great to see everybody. And Dr. Ray, um, you know, once again with Dad Fest coming up, um, I'm tempted to, uh, I'm tempted to once again to enter our minivan into the competition. Uh, it's got 16 cup holders. I don't want to brag. I don't want to brag, but I might just enter that bad boy. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. I hope you'll be, you'll take part in that. Um, again, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. And as Dr. Ray said, uh, we're continuing this series, Laws to Live By. And today we're going to talk about marriage. And uh, if you're married here today, uh, my hope and my my thought is that you're going to walk away with some real practical tools on how you can protect and guard uh, your marriage, your marriage relationship. And uh, if you're not married here today, you're single, um, you want to be married one day, or maybe you were and you you hope that'll happen again, um, you're going to leave with some tools that you can use uh, for for the future. But, uh, But I love to talk about uh, marriage. I've been married to Kim for 19 years uh, in, in August. It's going to be 19 years. And uh, I told the first service, it's going to be hard for me to do this service because she sits right there. And, you know, and I'm kind of a heart guy, so it's going to be hard. Can you leave? Is that wrong? <laughs> that would just help us. Yeah. So, that helped me. So, and there's a proverb in the Old Testament that says that a man who finds a wife finds a blessing from the Lord, and she has been such a gift and such a blessing for me. I just need a moment. Okay, all right. I'm so grateful for her. So yeah, so we were uh, married at at Kim's home church, which is Temple Baptist Church in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And honestly, you guys, I don't remember much about the ceremony. Um, I just remember when it was done, the reception was all done, that I drove uh, faster than I've ever driven before to get to our our hotel where we were going to spend our first night of our honeymoon. My, My rationale was if we get stopped, I'll just tell the state trooper what's going on. And he'll give me a pass, right? Because, like, we were the one couple that waited. So there was urgency around the honeymoon night. Don't talk. Just stop talking. Yeah. So we, we couldn't wait to get there. I, I couldn't wait to get there. And so, and so it, was, it, was, it was just a, it was a great day. And now on the other side of, of the wedding, uh, you know, I, as a pastor, Gosh, I've performed so many wedding ceremonies uh, over the year. I think uh, earlier this week I was trying to count, and I think it's right around 125 that I've been a part of. And I've learned a few things. Uh, One thing I've learned over the years as a pastor doing weddings is that people are weird. (laughs) People are kind of crazy around weddings. Okay, the last wedding I did, there was a dog involved. I'm just saying, what? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just just go with it. And so, and the, the second thing I learned is that our wedding was really, really tame compared to a lot of the weddings I'm a part of in South Florida. Um, At our reception, we had punch and cake. (laughs) It was good punch. And now I've been a part of these receptions, and, you know, it's it's like MTV Spring Break. I mean, liquor's flowing, you know, there, there's, there, there's girls. We were at one reception that Kim and I went to together. I'm not kidding you. I turned to her in the middle of it, and I said, honey, I think we might be in hell. <laughs> I'm not sure what's happening out there. There's writhing. There's dancing. There's, but I think we might be in hell. Yeah, so I've seen a lot of weird things. I had some great experiences. Some of my favorite experiences as a pastor uh, is when I get to be part of, like, the premarital counseling, and I, I get to meet with a couple, and I hear their story. And I hear how they met, 
you know, and how God is a part of it, and they, they have faith, and they see how God is working in their relationship, and they, they have hopes, and they have dreams for the future. They're so excited about it. And then I get to be a part of the big day that starts the rest of all the days. That, that's awesome. I've had some bad experiences. One would be a few years ago, I got to the end of the ceremony. You know the part where the pastor turns the couple around and says, uh, it's my privilege to introduce for the very first time Mr. and Mrs. These People. Yeah, I got there and I, I forgot the name. <laughs> and so I was so excited. It's my, it's my privilege to introduce for the very, very first time Mr. and Mrs. And I was friends with the groom's family for years. Yeah, yeah, it was an exciting moment. Yeah, thank you, Atlee. Yeah, it was. was friends. They're great folks, yeah. Yeah, it, one of my favorite parts of, of most ceremonies, and I think you guys have probably seen this, it's what they call the unity candle. If, you, if you're married here, did you have a unity candle, show of hands, as part of your ceremony? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a, a common thing. Now, being part of the South Florida culture, one of the things that I learned that's really kind of trendy here that I think is so cool is not the unity candle, but it's the unity what? Whoa, bring it. It's awesome. It's beachy. It fits. And you get to keep it, right? And here's the way it works. It, like the bride and the groom have their little vial of sand. It's usually a different color. And then they, they pour that into one container and it mixes together. And you could never separate that ever again. And these two very, very different things uh, mix together, and they become one. And I, I think I like that so much because I think that's really a, a picture of God's heart, of God's hope for every marriage relationship. That two very, very different things, male, female, would become one in every way. And kind of go through life together. So as we begin our talk, we're going to, we're going to go back to the very, very first wedding. <laughs> and it's a little weird. So you just got to kind of go with it. It's a little weird. We're going to look back in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. And it's, it's a little far out. It's, it's the story of creation. But I want to tell you, I believe it. I believe uh, these, these words. And I, I believe this account of creation because Jesus believed it. He referred back to this passage. And here's, here's my logic. If, if, you, if you are dead and you come back to life, you have instant credibility with me, <laughs> right? If Jesus believed this, then I can believe it because he came back from the dead. And so that's, that's kind of my logic. Well, let's, let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 2 and see this first wedding. Uh, it's the account of creation. It says, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'm so, God, I'm so glad that God realized that. I'll make a helper, an equal, a partner to go through life with. I'll make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, except for cats, right? Satan made cats. <laughs> you understand that, right? We're together on that, right? Exactly. I have a cat, so I know. I can speak to that, yeah, yeah. All right, that's deep theology. Okay. He gave names to all the livestock. I mean, what, what a job. Uh, all the birds of the sky, all the wild animals, but there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. Can you imagine that whole deal? Like, ta-da! <laughs> Woo! All right. 
Let's just stop and ponder that. All right, that's wrong. Okay. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken from man. Woman means from man. It's really profound. And this is what you've heard in every wedding. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And here we go. And the two are united into what's it say? One. Two different things, radically different, male, female, put together spiritually, emotionally, physically, one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. It was pure. It was holy. Thousands of years later, the Apostle Paul is referring back to this account, back to this passage. And this, he adds another layer. And this is what he says. He says that, that whole thing. It's a great mystery. Marriage is. But it's an illustration. It's a picture of the way Christ and the church are what? One. And this, in these two passages, when you put them together, you get a picture of God's heart, God's design for your marriage, either now or your marriage that you hope for one day. It looks like uh, two people, radically different, becoming one, becoming powerful partners and intimate friends, partners who build a life together, who share goals together, who support each other, who lift each other up as one. But intimate friends who share their hearts, who share their lives physically, emotionally, spiritually. They get to go through life together as one. And then Paul adds to that. He says, hey, they're a picture of Christ in the church. They're a metaphor. That's what marriage is. It's a picture of Christ and the church. Two radically different partners coming together. Would you agree that people are different from God? And yet Christ says, come go with me. We'll be in relationship. I'll commit to you. You commit to me. I'll commit to you. He says, we'll be one. We'll be one. So we have this incredible design for marriage. It's this gift of oneness. Now, part of this gift, you would, just beyond partnership, beyond friendship, there'd just be benefits. There'd be blessings. And, and we see that. We've got great research now. Uh, over the last few years, uh, Michigan State University has conducted awesome research, like tens of thousands of couples. And they've discovered a few benefits to, to marriage. They say, in general, married people are happier. Uh, never mind what the media says. In general, married, <laughs> married people are happier. They live longer. They have more money. They just seem to enjoy life more. But I'm not surprised. Because marriage is a gift from God. And it's a good gift. There are some blessings and benefits to it. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're about to read uh, today's Law to Live By. And just as we've done in all, every part of our series, I want us to stand together and I want us to read this verse out loud. It's a short verse, so we're going to read two verses together, okay? So let's stand up. And if we can put Exodus up there. And let's read this in a good, loud voice. This is our Law to Live By today. Let's go. You must not commit adultery. The writer of Hebrews, thousands of years later, says this. Let's read this together. Give honor to marriage and remain to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. You may be seated. I'm so proud of you guys because the first service, when we got that part about judging and all that stuff, everybody got real quiet. And God was, 
in light of this incredible gift, this oneness, this partnership, this intimate friendship, God says, hey, with the heart of a loving father, he says, guard the gift. Guard the gift. Don't commit adultery. Don't stray. Don't let infidelity take up, take up part of your marriage. Don't get shipwrecked. Don't get train wrecked by, by unfaithfulness. Give honor to your spouse. Stay faithful. Stay faithful and guard this incredible gift because I want you to enjoy it. That's God's heart for this gift of marriage. And so he says, be careful. Don't commit adultery. Be careful. Give honor to each other by remaining faithful. What's, what's honor? It's lifting each other up. It's adding value. God's heart for you and for me. Future marriage, the marriage you're in right now, is I want you to go through the journey of life lifting up your husband, lifting up your spouse, adding value to them with your words and your actions every day and be very, very careful. Guard that by remaining faithful. Here's the way it works. Faithfulness, it, it precedes, it goes before, it, it protects, and it guards over it. It preserves honor. On the road of your life, of your relationship with your husband or spouse, Faithfulness, it's like guardrails that keeps you focused, that protects your honor. It guards over your marriage. It saves you from disaster. And by the way, there is no greater example of faithfulness than Jesus on the cross. Because Jesus was hanging on the cross and people were rejecting him. They were denying him. They were leaving him, deserting him. And he stayed. He could have left. And he chose to stay. He chose to remain faithful. Now he says, remain faithful to each other. Give honor to each other. Faithfulness, it's like guardrails that we put in place to save our marriages from disaster. And I have to tell you, I have to tell you that over the years as a pastor and as a marriage counselor, I've become somewhat of an unwanted expert on this whole deal. I have spent far too many hours crying with far too many couples over that time where the guardrails just weren't there. And unfaithfulness began to work its devastation into their family. We know that, that five out of every ten couples is going to experience some kind of infidelity in the course of their marriage. It's usually more men committing that. Now the numbers are rising for women as well. More women in the workplace. Just more opportunity. The results are always the same. No one ever gets away with it. It always comes out, and the results are tragic. The results are shipwrecked families. And if it ends in divorce, then you've got kids who are, who are splitting their time between mom and dad. You've got the death of dreams. You've got uh, the loss of jobs sometimes. And what terrifies me, and I want you to be terrified a little bit this morning, what terrifies me is that to a person, to a couple, I've never met anyone, I've never heard anybody sitting on my couch in my office who has said, you know what, um, I, I planned this, I saw this coming. No, to a person they've said, I never imagined this would be our story. 
I never imagined this would happen to me. I never imagined that this would be part, part of our lives. And they're just trying to pick up the pieces going forward. And what's so terrifying to me is that the people I meet with, man, they're smart and they're sharp and they got their act together. And somehow, somehow, they were ambushed by infidelity and unfaithfulness. And they're trying to pick up the pieces. And folks, I want to tell you, it is messy and it is tough and it is ugly. And if you want to know if you're at risk, by the way, if you want to know if you are at risk for unfaithfulness in your marriage, then just, this, this is the biggest risk factor. It's for you to look in the mirror and say, it'll never happen to me. If you think that you are the exception, you are fooling yourselves. So God says, oh, I've given you this gift. You can be one with that woman, with that man, a partner going through life side by side, achieving goals, setting, dreaming, intimate, physically, emotionally, spiritually, but please put up the guardrails of faithfulness so that you can live a life of honor. You can look back and say, I honored my wife. I honored my husband with faithfulness. Don't think you're above it. Don't think you're above falling. scary. Now, as always, Christ comes along, and he peels back another layer. Christ comes along, and he, he, he gets below the surface of this whole issue. And more than just speaking to the letter of the law, he gets to the spirit of the law. And listen to what he says. He says, you've heard the commandment that says, we, we just heard it, you must not commit adultery, but I say, anyone who even what? Looks at a woman or a man with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And that word for lust, it's a Greek word, it's a compound word that means to focus on. It means to, to look and not look away, but to focus on and, and build passion upon passion until you're creating scenarios in your head. To just to just let your imagination run wild as you look on a member of the opposite sex. And Jesus is saying, look, what you see with your eyes can become sin in your heart. What you adore with your eyes can become adultery in your heart. And this is what we know. This is what the research has told us, that our inner lives, our inner lives, what's happening in here, what's happening in our thought life, inevitably shows up in our outward behavior. Starts with our eyes, ends up in our heart, and manifests in our behavior. Jesus says, if you look with lust, you're in trouble. By the way, by the way, for those of us, I don't want to be naive, for those of us in the room who have been rationalizing our use, our viewing of pornography, and saying, it's not hurting anyone, it's victimless, it's not hurting anyone, it's not wrong, this is what I do. Jesus blows that argument out of the water. See, you can look with lust. They don't have to be a person in front of you live. It can be on the screen, on your iPhone, on your iPad, on your laptop, on your TV. Jesus says, you're violating the law that God wants you to live by. You're dishonoring, you're shaming your husband or your wife. Because what you see can become sin in your heart, and eventually it comes out. 
Jesus says, watch it. Be careful. So as we move forward, I think based on what Christ says in, this, in the Gospel of Matthew, two quick things that you and I can do if we're going to preserve and build up and honor our marriage and honor our husband and wife. We need to do a couple things. We need to honor your spouse with your faithfulness by daily guiding your eyes and guarding your heart. By daily guiding your eyes, choosing what you let your eyes see and guarding your heart. The first is just guide your eyes. Refuse to let them linger on a member of the opposite sex. Don't let them land. Don't keep them focused. Bounce your eyes. It's so simple, but it works. Don't, don't, let that, don't let that person become a fixation for you so that your imagination can take over because Jesus says it's already too late at that point. Bounce your eyes. Don't, don't let your eyes linger on that computer screen, on that phone. Guide your eyes. Tell them what to do. Man, I take my family to the beach, and you know in our culture we're surrounded by skin, right? That's just where we live, right? Take my family to the beach, and it must look like I have some kind of facial tick, you know, because I'm like, bouncing the eyes, baby. Bouncing the eyes, you know? I'm just bouncing, you know? I'm just going to look down. I'm just going to look down, you know? Yeah, I've got teenage boys, you know? It's like I'm lying to them now. I'm saying, hey, look, there's a shark out there. There's a shark. I saw a fin. Just keep looking. It's way out there. Just keep looking. It's you know? You've got to bounce your eyes. And I just want to say this to, to you uh, ladies here today. Guys, guys need your help, you know, because men are visually stimulated. We are visually motivated. We need your help with the way you dress, right? I mean, because honestly, I don't know any woman in here who would go to the pool or who would go to the beach in your underwear. I mean, there might be one or two, and you're in a special category, but, but, but nobody else would. Yet you have no problem putting on the skimpiest bathing suit that leaves nothing to anybody's imagination and just parading down the beach. I can't figure that out. Before I was a Christ follower, I couldn't figure that out. I was like, I think they want attention. I'll give them attention. I don't think it's the kind of attention you want. My, my buddy Steve has three daughters, and I love his, I love his motto. He says, modest is hottest. You know, I, and I know I'm probably alone in this. I'm just, it's just a weird thing to me. You know, I'm not saying wear a wool parka, but, but think about what, what you're wearing, you know? Maybe that'd be good if you wore like a wool parka, because all we'd see are like ankles, right? And nobody's ever said, man, those ankles are hot. <laughs> Woo! Smoking ankles. I, and I don't want to be sexist. It's not, just, it's not just women. I know it's men too. Men, we've got to watch how we dress too. You know, you don't need to go to the beach in a Speedo. <laughs> I mean, who am I kidding? Like, what, what guy in a Speedo has ever tempted anyone, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, and if you're a guy, if you're a man who goes to the beach and wears a Speedo, we have a word for you. And that word, of course, is single. That's what you are. <laughs> Get used to that, that reality, buddy. <laughs> we, need to, we need to guide our, our eyes. Because Jesus is saying what, what we see, what we focus on, what we allow to like really take our attention can end up as a sin in our hearts. We don't want to violate his law. But secondly, and I think this is harder, this is more difficult, we need to guard our hearts. 
We need to refuse to become emotionally available to a member of the opposite sex. If you're married, you need to, I think of it as putting a wall up around your heart. And you refuse to share intimate details about your life. You refuse to share, to be vulnerable. You refuse to share about your marriage, whether it's going great or not so great, about your arguments. That's between you and your wife. By the way, Kim and I have awesome arguments. We have great arguments. Um, every marriage has problems, get used to it. So we have great arguments because we're both counselors. And so we're so nice and polite and respectful. You know, we do all the techniques, nodding the head, you know, eye contact, and repeating back. So what I hear you saying is that I'm an insensitive jerk. Did I get that right? <laughs> right, right, we know what to do. They're, they're just awesome fights, you know. You see, guarding our heart means I don't go to the office and then share that with a female coworker. See, it means I keep that between Kim and I. Guarding my heart means that I don't become vulnerable and begin to share my hopes and dreams and all that with a member of the opposite sex. I kind of keep that between me and Kim. And i got to tell you that when you talk to people, when you talk to victims of infidelity, they say that the most difficult part of it, it's not a one-night stand. The worst kind is that emotional attachment because God said, remember, remember back in, in Genesis, he said, I'm going to make you one. You're going to be one. You're going to be intimate friends. You're going to be best friends, soulmates. That's the goal. That's the goal. And when this emotional thing happens, your wife, your husband, they're replaced by somebody else. They're not your best friend anymore. They're not your soulmate. And that's like a knife in the heart. And people tell me all the time, that's worse than the physical piece. That's worse than the physical part is knowing I lost their hearts. Guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. Honor the gift. God said, I want to make you one. Remain faithful. That's the way you protect honor for your husband or your wife. That's the way you build them up. Remain faithful. Guide your eyes. Don't let them linger. Guard your heart. And, I, you know, it's walls, but it's also windows. Between your spouse, man, total transparency. You and, your, you and your husband, you and your wife, total transparency. Everything. You pray together. You share together. You dream together. You cry together. And you experience that gift of oneness that God so wants to give you if you're married. Now, here's, here's what I want to do. Here's how I want to wrap us up in our time. I want today, I want to carve out just a moment. I want today, all over the room, for you, no matter if you've been married a week a year, a decade, I want to give you a chance to renew your vow of faithfulness to your husband or to your wife. Um, today, now, if you're single or if your spouse isn't here, I want you to say these things and, and, and really uh, uh, commit to these things in your heart, just, just quietly. But what I'm going to ask everybody else to do, if you are married and your husband or wife is here, I'm going to ask you to stand in a moment. I'm going to ask you to be brave. It's going to be just like a wedding in front of God and everybody, right? <laughs> And then I'm going to give you some words that I want you to look in their eye and I want you to repeat and just renew your vow of faithfulness to your husband. Renew your vow of faithfulness uh, to your wife. And if you're not somebody standing, man, just encourage them, just cheer them on. Um, and whatever your marriage has been, let's take this moment to chart a new course going forward. All right, is that a deal? We good? Okay, so if you're married and your spouse is here, would you stand up? In a moment, I'll throw bird seed on you. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. All right. 
Now we're going to go guys first, right? It's just like a wedding. Guys first. So women, you just look at your husband. Yeah, this is going to be weird because you're right. How am I supposed to do that? Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm going to be a, a blanket. All right. Okay. So I want you to look at your husband. And guys, I want you to look at your wife. Look at her eyes. Take her by the hand. Maybe no kissing. We're in church. And, and what I want you to do is I'm going to say I, and then you just repeat your name, guy, and say these words to her. And then, then gals, I'm going to give you a chance. So here we go. Guys. All right. I, say your name. Renew my vow of faithfulness to you. I promise to guide my eyes and guard my heart. And to remain only yours for as long as we both shall live. Oh, that is so good. That is so great. All right, all right, we're not done though. We're not done. Yeah, way to go, guys. Way to go. All right, ladies, it's your turn. I want you to look at your husband, look at his eyes, and I want you to repeat after me. Okay, I, say your name, renew my vow of faithfulness to you. I promise to guide my eyes and guard my heart and to remain only yours for as long as we both shall live. <laughs> yeah, way to go, you guys. Yeah, okay, you can be seated. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Great job. Great job. Let's, let's pray together. Father, Father, we are so grateful for the gift of marriage, so grateful for your gift of oneness with each other. I pray for, for our church family. I pray for my friends. Help us, those who are married, help us, God, to, to keep these vows of faithfulness, to guard our heart, to guide our eyes so that those guardrails will be in place and we can just bring honor to you and honor to each other. And I just want to say this, if, those, if there are somebody in the room who you think, as I've been speaking, or even before you came in the room, you were so aware that, that you've been unfaithful, you've, you've somehow crashed through, and, and you're on the verge of, of a shipwreck, I want to plead with you to do what, what Jesus told the woman who was caught in adultery to do, and go and sin no more, to leave, to flee, to run from that relationship that today, to just decide in your heart, it's over and then to ask Jesus to forgive you, he will. Ask him to help you build a better marriage, he will. He will. God, I'm so grateful for the gift of a church family. I'm so grateful for the gift of marriage. Um, we thank you for, for being so faithful to us. In Jesus' name, amen.